Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. I was thinking about our world today, and I was thinking, you know, it desperately needs some good news, don't you think? I mean, every time we turn on the news, every time we get on, on social media, it's, it's desperately, desperately just needing some good news. And uh, as a matter of fact, as I was thinking about this, there was a song that came to mind. You may know it or may not know it, but Suzanne Jennings wrote this back in 1999. But think, think as I read the lyrics, just listen to how it would apply to us today. Here's what she writes. Listen. I woke up Monday morning, walked out on the lawn. My eyes barely opened. My mouth began to yawn. Picked up the daily newspaper. Every single headline said, this old world is full of trouble. I'd wish I'd stayed in bed. Sometimes the bad's going on enough to bring you down. Turn on my television, began to flip on through. 100 channels on demand in pay-per-view. Not one message had a meaning that was good in any way. Just before I wrote the whole world off, I heard the Father say, Don't forget what I've promised. You can, come, you can overcome it all. Well, my knees began to shake and my heart began to beat. And a funny new sensation worked its way into my feet. The spirit of glad tidings came from somewhere deep inside, and holding back a flood was just like holding back the tide. I couldn't help but circulate to everyone I know. I'll spread this talk all over town about the peace and joy I found in you. Good news. The story is about to break and bless are the feet that take the truth, good news. I'm slipping on my gospel shoes because I've got good, good news. I thought, wow. Guess what? This evening, I've got some really, really good news. Okay, in a world that's gone crazy, I've got good news. You go, what's the good news? Listen to this. The triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, right? The triune God in perfect harmony, in an overflow of love, guess what he did? He created us in his image for his glory. Why? So that every person should live to glorify God. Yet, we have all sinned, and we've fallen short of God's glory. And we all deserve eternal punishment. But God, in his great mercy, sent forth his only son, Jesus Christ, to provide for sinners the way of eternal life. This eternal life is a free gift to all who will trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. And his gift, it should stir up in us gratitude and worship to his name. You see, that's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's good news for our day. And listen, church, I got to be honest with you. My heart continually breaks when I hear stories of people uh, losing hope in the world. You know, I, it, my heart aches when I see people that um, struggle and they end up taking their own lives. And you go, why does your heart struggle? Why are you upset? I'll tell you why. Because my Jesus, guys, is hope. My Jesus is hope. Well, you have to say that you're the preacher. No, 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 no. My Jesus is hope. 
I cry each time that I hear that dreaded word, cancer. But I also know that Jesus is the name above all names. And I know that, G- that cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus. I know that, guys. You see, the good news that I'm talking about is really, really simple. And I think we miss it from time to time because we go, well, let's get so theological. No, no, no. Here's the good news, that God the Father, okay, he created everything. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put on your thinking apps because here, God the Father, guys, he spoke galaxies into existence. He put stars where they're supposed to go. He gave us oxygen. He gave us life. He gave us everything that you can imagine. And so God the Father loves you so much. Guess what he did? When Adam and Eve sinned and they brought sin into the world, he bankrupted heaven. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Listen, church, I've been to the places that my Jesus walked. I've seen the place. I've seen the valley of the shadow of death. I've seen the Kidron Valley. I know where, the, where my Jesus, I've, I've been there. And I know, I know the place that my Jesus died a horrible, horrible death on the cross. I've seen the place of the skull behind it. Why did he do it? The good news is so that you and I, listen, could be reconciled back to him, guys, with hope and love and peace and joy. That's why. You go, Ben, I have a question. Why, do you, why are you bringing this up? We're in Genesis chapter 45. Well, here's why. Listen, if you'll read Genesis 45, 16 through 28, here's what you'll discover. You'll discover that Jacob is, remember, Joseph is in prison, okay? We've seen him go from what? He was in the pit to the prison, now into the palace, but now his dad is going to get some good news. His dad is going to get some really, really, really good news. Now, in order for news to be really good, Joe, it has to invade bad spaces, Okay, other than this news. I, I have some news. Okay, well, I really don't care. No, no, no. You see, dad was struggling. Dad was hurt. Dad was broken. And he's going to get some good news. He's going to get some amazing news. You go, what? The son that he thought was dead is actually alive. The Bible says his heart went numb when he heard the news. Hey, he's an old man now. And his heart went numb. What? Could you imagine the flood of questions and thoughts and about whoop like what what are you talking? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. The last time I saw my boys, they were taking Benjamin, and I thought I'm never gonna see them again. Now you're telling me my son Joseph is alive. Not only that, Dad, but he's in the process of saving all our family. What? What? This is some good news. This is some super-duper good news. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're taking note, you're not afraid to write in your Bible. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. This is the gospel. Do you guys see it? 
Man, when you understand the gospel, when you understand the way the gospel that, that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and the Apostle Paul and all of that understood that, guys, you're going to see it all the way from Genesis 1 all the way to, to the end. You're going to see the gospel. You're going to see God has been preparing us. And there it is again. You go, what's that? This is the good news. And it paints, it paints the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go, what do you mean? Well, for example, look at 45.28, Genesis 45.28. It says, then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. This is the very end of our chapter. This is the very end. Look at it again. Then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go see him before I die. Now, if you're taking note, Jacob, Israel, listen, you ready? He believes even though he hasn't seen him. He believes. So what's he going to do? He's going to make the trip. He's going to make the trek to Egypt. That's where he's going. That's where he's going to go. And if you recall, Paul exhorted us to do the same thing. You go, what do you mean? Well, you guys know this because we've been walking through 2 Corinthians verse by verse. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we see that Paul exhorts us to walk by faith and not by sight. You guys remember that? Walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because contextually, understand, contextually, Paul is teaching us that we are going to get a brand new body made by God, eternal in the heavens, when we take our final breath on earth. That's what he's saying. He says, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, can I get an amen? If you believe in the resurrection, you're going to be, you're going to be resurrected too. And you're going to have just the most amazing, awesome body. And he says, that's what we're going to do. Now you go, Pastor Ben, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. That's exactly why we need to what? Walk by faith. I don't see it, but I'm going to walk by faith. I don't see it, but I'm going to, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Old brother Joe went to play golf on Monday. And old brother Joe is a pretty good golfer. Okay? And Brother Joe used to play several times a week. And I asked Brother Joe as he came in, I said, Brother Joe, you, uh, you play golf? I played, I played golf on Monday. He said, but I'm hurting now. Oh, but why can't you? Why, what's the matter? He says, this old body's not, it's not holding up anymore. It's not holding like it should. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, man, we've grown, guys. Our bodies are falling apart. But you're going to get a brand new body. You're going to get one that is not riddled with cancer. You're going to get one that's not riddled with, with anything else, any type of disease. It's going to be so perfect. And that's what he's saying, guys. So what is the exhortation? You guys ready? The exhortation is that you and I, as believers, we need to, you ready? Walk. We need to believe, we need to conduct ourselves, we need to live by faith and not by sight. That's the whole point. See, here's one of those, here's one of those things, guys, where we talk about this, okay? You guys ready? Here, here it is. We really behave what we believe. 
Okay? If you're really going to just evaluate yourself, you, you behave what you believe. Okay? And, and part of that is, okay, this is, this is my mindset, this is my belief system, so therefore I behave what I believe. That works on anything. Okay? That um, if you're a mask wearer and you believe that masks help you and that masks are good, then what is your behavior? Your behavior is, I'm going to wear a mask. Amen? If you go, no, I've looked at the studies, I've said, no, I'm just not a, I'm not a mask wearer, I'm just, I just feel like I would be better. How do you behave? You behave what you believe. You don't wear a mask, that's just you. Now, I'm not trying to pit anyone against each other. You do what you think is right, but what I'm saying is that take that spiritually and you will behave what you, what you believe in your heart. And if you truly believe in the gospel that Jesus Christ died, he died for you. He gave you peace. He gave you joy. All of these things, guys, guess what? He said, if you believe that, that's how you're going to behave. Your life is going to be different. It's going to change. You're going to govern all your thoughts, all your actions, how you behave through Jesus Christ. Guys, we have to walk by faith. So here's the good news. The Father has prepared a place for us to live eternally. I want you to think about this right now, where there's no more tears. He's prepared a place, guys, where there's no pain. There's no anxiety. There's no stress. There's no drama. And what he's doing, listen to me, you ready? He's preparing you here for there. And although you get a new body, he's still preparing you. Okay? Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Um, when a woman gets pregnant, she's pregnant for nine months. And what is, what's happening during the nine months? In the nine months, that baby's growing. And what, what it's doing is what? God is preparing that baby for nine months to live here on earth. Okay, that's what he's doing. No, we, boy, nine months, whoo! And we all talk about that. It's the first trimester, second trimester, blah, blah, blah. But what God is doing is so amazing that he takes nine months to prepare a little baby to live in the world. Well, he's preparing you here for that world. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to I, I wanna know all about my Jesus when I get there. I don't want to be one sitting in the corner going, yeah, and I barely made it in. I don't know who this God is. I just, uh, I want to know. I want to know what his heart is. I want to know who he is. And I, oh, that's my Jesus. That's my, oh, that's my Jesus. How do we do that, church? How do we do that? Well, of course, I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd, but think about that, guys. It's saturating yourself in who God is, his word, all about it. And watch what that does. It draws you closer to Jesus. Okay. Quick, quick bolt. Take a look at your life. Take a look at your life. You go, man, just from, 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 from being in the Word of God, just from my devotions, just from my worship music I listen to, just being saturated, man, I'm drawn closer to God. I just want to be where, I just want, my church is, I just want to be there. I just want to be there. I want to be among the saints. I love hearing the Word of God. I love it. But I got to tell you, that wasn't always me. See, before I was just maybe... You know, I was maybe just a Sunday morning. I was a Sunday morning only, right? Sometimes 
No, I'm like, oh, I want to be that. That's what the Word of God does, guys. It, it, it works like this. When you eat food, Alex, Alex, a couple hours later, he goes, I'm a little hungry. You see, when we eat, okay, maybe a little bit later we'll eat. Tomorrow you'll be hungry again. When you study the Word of God, it works actually the opposite. The more you get of the Word of God, the hungry you are for the Word of God. It's so cool. It's like, ah. You see, because what happens right now, if I take Alex for a steak after church, and we sit down, we have big old steak, and we have baked potato, and we have salad, he's not going to be hungry for a while. Guaranteed? He won't be hungry for at least... <laughs> I don't know, Alex. But he won't be hungry at least until tomorrow night dinner. I mean, you know, you guys know that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I'm so full, I can't say, oh my gosh, I'm never going to eat again. Oh, right? But the Word of God is like, man, I just... Man, I just I just, had to, I just listened to a great teaching. I just listened to a great podcast. Man, I want to listen to another one. And another one. And another one. And another one. Because it changes your heart. It changes your heart. So what does Moses do? Moses says, okay, okay, I'm going to pen some good news. That, what's that? Joseph's brothers are going to head home and tell dad everything. And he says, bring everyone back to Egypt. And I love this. Why? Because what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. Right? He sent Joseph, guys, under the power of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to be able to save Jacob and his brother and their families. Now, let's go back. Let's get our mindset, okay? Remember what we talked about last week, okay? It was Joseph. He began to reveal himself to his brothers. Look at uh, 45, Vernon 2. We're going to kind of go through this really quick. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. He cried out. He made everyone go out from me, and no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept out loud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Guys, this is what he did. He's like, okay, I'm Joseph. And he made himself known to his brothers. Now, I want you to feel the weight of the text. You go, why? Well, not in a, not in a, not, not, oh, this is weighty for us to, but think about the emotions. Okay, this is, this is his brother revealing himself. Now, Joseph had the proper perspective about God. Guys, he walked in light of the gospel and how it changed him. He walked in, in, in light of who he was with God. And because of that, instead of being ugly to his brothers, instead of going, you know what, you guys, you guys should be in prison. Look what you did, attempted murder. You threw me in the pit. All of you are gone. He didn't do that. He offered forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. That's what God wants from us, church. He wants us to walk like him. He wants us to walk in forgiveness of others. He wants us to have compassion for those. He wants to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. And he wants to use you. And so, I thought about, as Joseph revealed himself, I thought one day, soon and very soon, Jesus is going to reveal himself to the world. And the Bible tells us that when he does, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen. And there's a lot of people shaking their fist at God and they're not even acknowledging God, whatever it might be. But I know one day the Bible says that every, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here's what I'm thinking. If you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, guys, you've already done, you've already bowed the knee. 
you've already said, yes, my Lord, to the King of kings and the Lord of You've already done that. And your world and your friends, oh, oh you did what? Come on. And, oh, you didn't really mean it. Hey, don't, listen, you can be a Christian, Rosa, just don't get crazy. Come on. And Rosa, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm going to be crazy for Jesus. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so on fire for the Lord that people are going to come, watch me burn, man, and be like, hey, stop. You're a little crazy. Amanda, you're crazy. And if you're crazy, you're crazy for Jesus. That's what it's about, guys. That's what it's about. I don't know why we got so, oh, well, well let's, let's just be concerned. Let's not, let's not rattle any feathers. No, no, no. Listen, here's the deal. We've got a world out there that's dying. We've got a world out there that has no hope. We've got, we got people that we love. They're, they're, they're hopeless and helpless. We've got to tell them about the one who gives them hope. If he can change our lives, Carmen, he can change anybody's life. If he can save us, he can save anyone. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what he's doing. It's like, okay, okay, I'm going to bow the knee. Okay, back to our text. Back to our text. So Joe, Joe reveals himself. I could imagine what the boys look like, right? I could imagine what this happened. I would figure the deer in the headlights. It's what? Okay. And the word of God says that the boys were dismayed. The word dismayed there, guys, means amazed, frightened, and terrified. I could imagine. Okay, here's what I want you to put on your thinking caps. Put on your thinking caps. Everybody got them on? If Joseph is alive and he's now revealed himself, what do you think is going through the boy's mind? Uh-oh. Right? Not only, I mean, there's a lot of things that would be going through my mind. I'm going to prison. We're going to jail. We messed up. We sinned. God is punishing us. And, and, and the least of that, Alex, is like, we've got to tell Dad that he's alive. What is that? You know, because they, they lied. To, to Wait a minute. You're telling me that one sin just... Yeah, you remember they lied to dad? I don't know whose coat this was. I guess he got, oh, that's Joe. Yeah, I guess he's dead. Something's about to change. Something's about to change. So they're, 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 they're frightened. They're dismayed. Look at verse 5. I love this. But now, he says, he says, therefore, do not be grieved and angry with yourselves because, he's, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, I love this because he says, don't feel, don't feel bad. Don't feel badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it, and he sent me here ahead of you to save your lives. Now, let me, let me, just, let me just stop right there, okay? Because he, he, this is the pardon. Guys, it's, it's okay. This is the pardon. Now, two thoughts come to mind, okay? Two thoughts. Number one, I know that we do that to ourselves. When we mess up, when we say bad stuff, when we have a bad attitude, anybody wake up with a bad attitude sometimes? Yeah, bad attitude. It's like, we call it UMS. It's ugly mood syndrome. You know what I mean? Just in an ugly mood. You don't know why. And we say bad stuff. And I mean, you know, and then we're hard on ourselves because like, oh, I'm so sorry. Lord, I just really didn't. You know, if that person at the United, if that person at the Walmart would have just, I'm sorry. And we're so hard on ourselves, guys. But when we, even when we sin, we, we still wrestle and we still... But, but, but here's my point, guys. Here, here's my point. Don't, don't feel bad. Don't be grieved. Why? Because, because the Lord Jesus died on the cross so he could reconcile you and he can work with you. For some reason, the enemy says, listen, when you become a Christian, you're going to be perfect. 
and you're never going to sin, and you're never going to say a bad thing, and you're going to be just this awesome Christian. It's going to be wonderful, and that's far, that can't be farther from the, the truth, right? You are a... Listen, okay, ready? I hate to break it to you. Spoiler alert. Ready? I hate to break it. You are a mess up. You are a strangey. You, we're, we're, all, we're all misfits. And you know what? My Jesus knows that and says, I know. That's why I died, because I want to reconcile the misfits, the strangies, the weirdos, all of that stuff. I want you. I want you. The second thing I want to point out is I want to, I want to think about Joseph for just a moment. I love the fact that he goes straight to the pardon and he doesn't manipulate the boys. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Christians and other people sometimes want to use manipulation. Even though they're, they've been forgiven, they want to use that to lord it over people, even for, the, even for a moment. Even for a moment. And he, he could, think, of, think of a thousand things he could have said. Hi, I'm Joseph. Stew on that, buddy. And they're freaking out, right? He doesn't have to go to verse 5 right away. He could have been just like, hey, hey, I've got a few questions for you, man. I got, I got a, why did you throw me in the pit? Like, like, seriously. You know, and if that wasn't bad enough, I was crying. I mean, but you guys understand, he's not manipulating them. Because true forgiveness, there's no manipulation in it. And that's the same with Jesus. When he forgives you, he's not going to manipulate you to do any of his work. He says, as a result of love, you'll do my work. You'll serve me. I'm not going to strong arm you. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. That's what the enemy does. Joseph doesn't do that, guys. He says, listen to me. Listen, um, you're, you're forgiven. Hey, don't, don't be grieved and angry with yourselves, guys. It's okay. Okay, listen, I know, and, and here's what I love, guys. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. Don't be grieved. Don't be grieved. But I also love that Joseph has the right perspective. He has the right perspective of God. And here's what I want you to do moving forward. You guys with me? Don't take God out of the equation, any equation. If the news comes up and says, you've had 289 cases of COVID, I still don't take God out of the equation. God's in control. Pastor Terry, Pastor Terry taught for the pulpit the other, the, the other Wednesday night when I was on vacation, and he said this, and, and he quotes John Markell, but John Markell and the rest of the guys are saying this, the world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. That's a great quote, right? Now, if you take God out of the equation, the world's falling apart. But we don't take God out of the equation. Okay, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Okay, you got this. You got this. Okay. I'm not taking God out of the equation. And I love, I love the perspectives that Joseph has. Hey, guess what? God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you. And, and man, God's, God's in control. He's gonna, and he's going to save the whole family. God's, God's going to use me. Isn't this great, guys? Isn't this great? And so it was God. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. Here's the Here's the exhortation. I 
I'm sure, I'm sure there were many times that Joseph didn't understand or didn't like the circumstances he was in. Would you agree? There were times in prison he's like, I don't like this. Even though I have God's perspective, it still wasn't pleasant, guys. And so we can't think, oh, well, 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 well wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, it must have been just good. It must have been perfect because, I mean, because he had the right perspective. There was still the circumstance. He's still in prison for two years. And so I wonder. You go, well, what's the exhortation for me? Here it is. No matter what the circumstances are, you need to keep your heart and your eyes on Jesus. No matter what. Keep your heart and keep your eyes on the Lord. On the Lord. You go, well, Ben, what else did we learn very quickly? Well, I love the fact that he says um, in verse 9, he says, now hurry up and go tell my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. And you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will provide for you lest you and your household and all you have come to poverty. Why? Because there's still five years in the famine. Verse 12, and behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is in his mouth that spreads to you. So you shall tell my father all the glory of Egypt and all you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. So what does he says? He goes, go, go tell him the good news. Tell him what you've seen. Tell him the miracles you have today. Tell dad, dad, listen, there's a better place. It's a place called Goshen. It's a place where we can eat. It's a place where we can flourish. As a matter of fact, you need to come now. You need to come now. Well, we know the story. It says, then he fell on his, on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin uh, wept on his neck, and moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. After that, his brothers talked to them. Guys, in just a moment, we're going to see, we're going to see, they're going to go, they're going to go get dad from the land of Canaan. And they're going to bring him to Goshen. Now, Goshen, guys, is just, it's, it's fertile. It's ready to go. There's still five years left in the famine, but it's going to be a great place to grow. You know that, right? Okay. What would you think if dad became really stubborn. Hey, we have good news. Amanda, we have good news. Joseph's alive. He's alive. And Jacob's like, I don't believe you. Oh, okay, even if you don't believe me, Joseph's alive. We got a great place in Goshen, man. We're going to be able to eat. Man, nobody's going to starve. All our little ones. Come on, dad. What if dad said, no, I don't think so. I'm going to stay here in Canaan. Then you go, and that would be silly. Your son's alive. You get to see him. You have great things ahead of you. I mean, seriously, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Don't you feel like that's what people do when they refuse to give their life to Jesus? When they, hey, man, heaven's a much better place. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. 
How many, how many of you have had people say, oh, I, would go to, I, I can't go to church, man. As soon as I walk into church, it would burn down. That's how bad I am. And they, they make all these excuses about what church is about. And it's like, no, this is the place for the sick. This is the place where, where they need to be healed. This is the place where they can meet with Jesus. This is the type of church we need to make this, guys. We need to make this a hospital for the sick. I don't think the Lord is going to is going to require of me, "Oh, did you have pretty chandeliers in the foyer? Did you do this? Did you do?" He's going to say, "Man, what did you do with me? Did you tell him about me that I was the hope?" And I say, "Well, yes, Lord. That was our goal. Our goal was to teach people to love God. That's what we wanted. We wanted to teach them in the word of God so they would have an amazing Irreverent love, just amazing, ultimate love for you, God. And that it manifested in everything else. It manifested in the way we behaved after church. It manifested when we went to dinner with each other. It manifested in the grocery store. It manifested at work. It manifested at school. It just, it just oozed out of us. That's what he's looking for. Joseph has a great heart, does he not? Why? Here's what I want you to know. It's a true heart of forgiveness. Why? Because in verse 14, verse 15, it says this, and moreover, he kissed, what's that word? All his brothers. You guys see it on the screen? He kissed all his brothers. You know what? I looked up the word for all in the Hebrew. Guess what it means? All. In other words, he didn't single out anyone. He goes, well, you know, Judah. or he, and, and I just thought, that just jumped out at me, right? Why? Because he kissed all of his brothers, every one of them. He wept over them, guys. And the Bible says he fellowshiped with all of them. You go, okay? What does that mean? That's true forgiveness. You know what's not true forgiveness? When you say, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. And if I don't forget, that means I'm going to keep you at arm's length and I'm, I'm not going to weep over you, I'm not going to kiss you, you stay away from me. Now, I understand that's a whole separate topic, whole nother sermon on forgiveness. I get it. I know there's some times that they've been, we've been really, really hurt that we can't do that with certain people. We have to create boundaries. I understand that. But I want to walk towards true forgiveness to where it's done. Hey, let me ask you a question. If your family, Carbon, if your family threw you in a pit and then sold you to, to the Midianites and then you got to see them again, could you forgive them? See, that's a heart of forgiveness. Well, let's pick up our story, guys, in verse 16. That's where we're going to pick it up. Verse 16 says, Now, the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brother have come. And so it pleased Pharaoh and all his servants well. So here's what, the question that comes up is, why did it please Pharaoh? Why did it please Pharaoh? Well, listen, because Pharaoh loved and trusted Joseph. Here is the president, here is the ruler, here is the powerful man in the world, and he what? And he loves and trusts Joseph. And so what does Pharaoh do? He approves, listen, he approves of Joseph's visit to move with the family back to Egypt. 
Okay, he approved. Amen. So he heard it, and he said, okay. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see, okay? I want you to see just a quick side note. You go, what's that? I love how Pharaoh trusted Joseph. But I also love how Joseph honored Pharaoh, and he didn't ever assume. Do you guys understand that? He ran things by him. Joseph is second in command. He's prime minister. But he still honors the what? The God-given leadership above him. The authority that God has placed. You go, yeah, but Pharaoh was a heathen king, man. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. This is who God placed him, and he trusted him. He's the one who said, man, there's something about you, man. You could see that God is with you. I love that. Why? Because, well, think about it. It's a great lesson for us. We need to we need to learn, guys, to be a Joseph. We need to learn to be a Joseph where? In the workplace. I don't like my boss. Let me tell you about my boss. I'm gonna tell you about my boss, my boss, my boss. That's not a Joseph. We need to be we need to be a Joseph, guys, in ministry. This is who God placed. This is, I tell people, I joke, I joke all about this. I say, hey, you know what? Why are you the senior pastor? Because I was the first one here. And there's probably people who could do the job so much better, but God called me here, and we honor that. I have a pastor in which I honor. Do I have to call Pastor Bill and tell him everything I'm going to do? No, I don't have to do that. I do that because I honor him. If it's something that's going to affect the ministry, hey, Pastor Bill, what do you think? What do you, and, and, and this should be ministry. Be a Joseph in ministry. Also be a Joseph in school. Be a Joseph in school. The teachers that you have are placed above you. You need to honor them. I don't like them. They're just mean to me. Let's be a Joseph. Let's earn their love and respect. In the workplace, in ministry, in school, and all that God gives us. I think that's so cool. In verse 17, it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart to the land of Canaan. Bring your family and your households and come near, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you will eat the fat of the land. Now, you are commanded, do this, take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. This is so cool. You go, why? Well, this is super duper good news. Why? Because Pharaoh just told him, go back to Canaan. And and listen, I know walking is going to take you three weeks. Don't walk. Take the carts. In other words, you got company vehicles, go ahead and take the company vehicles. It's a lot faster. Hey, and tell dad, leave the stuff there in Canaan. You got better stuff here. You got better stuff here. Ooh, guys, this is so good. This is so good. Why? He says, I'm going to give you the best in the land of Egypt. You guys are going to eat the fat of the land, man. This is so good. Don't worry about your stuff. I have so much more for you here. 
Does that sound like heaven or what? Does that sound like heaven? Hey, don't worry about your stuff here. God's got it better up there. Oh, no, Lord, i got to take this with me. Oh, Lord, I don't want to lose my stuff here. Don't worry about it. He says it's going to be so much better up there. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. Down here, I want you to give your stuff away. Just give it away. Somebody has a need, meet the need. Meet the need. You want to be a radical Christian? You want to be a radical Christian? Give your good stuff away. So here you go. There's a need. You have a need? Take it. Take it. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. This is this is what he's saying. He said, Don't worry about you. Don't worry about stuff here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about money here. Don't worry about money. Okay? Don't worry about money. God will take care of you. You don't need besides you, where you're going, you don't need money. It's all taken care of. It's all taken care of. But watch how God blesses you. Watch how God blesses you. Because what you're doing, guys, is you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. You give down here, boom, and God blesses you there. Pastor, I don't, I don't have any money. I'm barely making it. And just honor God first. Honor God first. I love that. Pharaoh says, don't worry about your possessions. Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you better. You know what the Lord says? Don't worry about your stuff here, Beverly. Don't worry. God's got better for you. And what we have here on earth, it's nothing. It's what? It's decaying. It's moths are eating it. It's rusting. It's broken. It's broken. The longer you have stuff, seriously. I mean, Jesse told me that I have a couple of computers that are paperweights. That's how bad it is. I said, what do you mean? Or bricks something or other. I go, what do you mean by that? He's like, they're basically bricks. They're old. They, they just, they just, I said, but, but wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. We, we need him. He's like, no, 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 no. There. Don't worry about your possessions. Don't worry about your possessions. Notice here, guys, with me. Guys, look in your Bible. Look in your Bible, Rick, right? He says, he says this. Um, and Pharaoh said to Joseph and to your brethren, he says, load your camels, depart, come to the land of Canaan, bring your father and your household. Notice right here in verse 18, he says, and come to me. Do you guys see that? And come to me. You go, why does that? I want you to highlight that or circle that because this is what we would call a proper invitation in the Hebrew. It's a proper invitation. He's saying, Come, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you. Come. I love that. Why? Because the Lord Jesus gives us a proper invitation. He gives us a proper invitation. You go, how so? Well, when it comes to Jesus and where and where to live, notice what he says. He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is speaking and he says, Come to me, all who are, what? who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the Lord's invitation to us. That's the Lord. Man, if we're struggling, 
and things seem just really out of place, out of time. He says, come. Come. I know you're tired. I know you're restless. Come. Well, back in Genesis, he says, he says, then the sons of Israel did so, and, jo- and Joseph gave them what? Carts, according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. And he gave to them, each man, changes of garments, but Benjamin, guess what? He gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to his father these things, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. Don't you just love that? He gave them, now, now this blew my mind, why? Because he gives them clothes. He gives them five changes of clothes. He gives the, the brothers clothes. Okay? He's also going to give dad gifts, but here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that I found it interesting because this echoes actually the beginning of the saga when Jacob actually gave Joseph a brand new garment. Back when he was 17 years old, you're going, yeah, that does make a connection. Now, the Hebrew word used here is not the same words for Joseph's robe, but there's a connection is evident. Hey, remember when dad gave me and you guys got all bent out of shape and threw me in a pit? Here's some, here's some clothes, but that's not, that's not where we're going. This is, this is legit. This is legit. Now, he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothes, and I just wondered, I don't know, the text doesn't say, but I wonder if Joseph is still putting another test. You know what I mean? Because are the brothers still jealous? Would they get jealous? Because all of a sudden, Joseph is rich. I mean, Benjamin's rich. He's rich, 300 pieces, and now he's got five changes. And I wonder if the boys are going to look at him and go, see? Now, you go, why do you say that? Well, because jealousy, guys, is a powerful force. And it's often, and, and, and we need God's words to help us overcome it. And I found a few Bible verses, a lot of them, but, but he, he, here's a good one, right? Look at 1 Corinthians 10.13. It's going to be up on the thing. It says, no temptation is overcoming you except such as common to men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape so you're able to bear it. So you're not tempted. There's not that jealousy. God's given you that. Look at 1 Corinthians 13.4. Next slide. He says this. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. So we don't have that jealousy. And then, and then notice Proverbs 14 and 30 says this. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. So we know what God's word says about it. We know jealousy is hard. Unless our heart is changed. I think like most married couples, I'm going to use this as an illustration. Um, like most married couples, guys, when, when Nathalie and I first got married, there was some jealousy. You know, she was, she, I definitely married over my pay grade. And, and I mean, she was drop-dead gorgeous to me. And, I mean, it was like, wow. And, of course, there was jealousy. I mean, guys were hitting on her. Guys liked her, even though she was married. Those creeps. But it got to the point where I was so jealous, in a sense, that it was affecting our marriage. 
And you know, it could have went, it could have went into an ugly place, but I remember that she lovingly came to me and she said, listen, if, if, if you don't trust me, she says, then we don't have a marriage. And the Lord really, really softened my heart and really spoke to me and said, you know what, Lord, I trust you. And though you go, well, Ben, that's hard to do. Well, you know what I did? I began to trust Jesus. Okay, I began to trust him that he, that he had brought her to me and that he's the author of good things. And I didn't want to mess that up. Now, was Nathalie ever jealous of me? No, don't worry about that. That was never a problem. Well, it goes on, guys. We've got to be careful with jealousy. But it goes on in verse 24. Check this out. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, guys, look at this. See that you do not become troubled along the way. Do you guys see that? You go, why is that important? Well, here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't quarrel among yourselves, right, uh, on the trip. In other words, don't trip on the trip, okay? Don't trip out, right? But I started to think about it. I started to think, why is this, right? Well, the caution would be greatly needed. Don't, don't, don't argue. Don't, don't. Why? Because here, here's, here's what could happen. It could be occupying the parts or, or occupying and recalling the parts that, that, had, um, that, that each person played respectively in the events that led to Joseph being slow to slavery, to slavery, and their wickedness would soon come to light as they went and have to tell Dad. So they've got some time to go back, but what are they going to tell Dad? Everything we told you was a lie. We were jealous. We were angry. This was not cool. And so Joseph, he sort of anticipates and says, hey, guys, don't, don't fight among yourselves. It's, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because how are we? How are we, church? How are we? we? We would be the same way. We'd start blaming each other. Well, Jodo, is really your fault, wasn't it? I, I just went along. Yeah, Reuben's going, yeah, man. Reuben, I went to look in the pit and he wasn't there. I think it was you. Well, Simeon goes, I'm, you know, and they can, and they would start troubling themselves. By the time they got home, they wouldn't be unified anymore. But they're going to take responsibility. So here's the good news. Verse 25. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, here it is, you ready? Joseph is alive, and he's governor over the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. I want you to put yourself in Jacob's sandals for a second. Your son, who you thought was dead, is alive, and he's actually... I don't even know if he ever heard the part that he's governor over Egypt. Because he's going, wait, 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 time out. What? what? And it says that his heart stopped. It's numb. He's like, what? What? No. I don't believe you. No. You told me many years ago that he died. I have 
what's left of his coat. No, he can't be alive. No, Daddy, he's alive. He's alive, I promise. And I wonder, guys, I wonder if this is how the disciples felt when they saw Jesus crucified on the cross and actually buried in the tomb, and then somebody came back and said, Jesus is alive. (laughs) The stone was rolled away. No. No. Seriously? No, he's alive. He's alive. I love that Jacob denies this. Why? Because it shows his humanity. There's no way this can be true. Listen, when we have lived for so long, listen to me, believing things, we have a hard time when truth is finally before us. When you've lived so long believing a certain way and the truth is presented, you have a hard time. No. No. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you a quick story. I was 17 years old, a lot like, a lot like, like Joseph, and the gospel was presented to me. Now, I, was, I, I grew up in a, in a Catholic home. We, this is what we did. We, we, we sort of went to church. We didn't go regularly, but we were, we were Catholics. You understand, my whole family. And this is what we do. And, 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 seven, and you know, 17 years old, it was in beginning choir. These girls, okay, these girls came and they approached me and they start to tell me about Jesus and they tell me about forgiveness. They told me all about this stuff. And I was just like, what? I'd never heard anything like that. And they presented the gospel. And I had believed so long that when I walked out of there, here's what I said. God, I don't know about all this stuff. If I'm good, I'll go to heaven. If I'm bad, I'll go to hell. You decide. That's what I believe. See, the problem is, guys, is when we believe something for so long, when the truth is presented, we don't believe it. But here's what I love. God didn't go, okay, dummy. He's like, no, no, no. I'm still going to get to your heart. I'm still going to get to your heart. I'm still going to get to your heart. Verse 27. But when they told him all these words, which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts, which Joseph had sent to carry them, the spirit of Jacob was, right, their father revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive. I will go see him before I die. Now, we're going to close in just a minute, but here's what I want you to do. Okay? If you're a note taker, I want you to notice with me. He says all these words. Do you guys see that? It says all these words, verse 27. And then he says, and then he saw the carts. Okay? Example, the gifts. Right? So he heard all the words. He saw the gifts. And then he believed. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. You guys see that? This is Jacob. He heard the words. All the boys are saying... Then he saw the gifts, and he believed. Can I get an amen? Okay? We have his word, and we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's asking us to believe. That's how you believed. That's how you got saved. You heard the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you said yes to Jesus. And people go, Carmen, what happened? I don't know. I just got saved. Well, what would you do? I gave my life to Jesus. You gave, you did what? Yeah. What happens now? I don't know, but it's going to be a great, right? We don't know, but we do. Because we have his word, we have his spirit, and we believe. And then we just grow from there. We just grow from there. 
We just grow from there. Listen, if you're watching online or you're listening to this by podcast, it's time. It's, it's time, guys. It's time to repent and it's time to believe. We have his word. We have his word. Jacob, Israel, he has to walk by faith, guys, and not by sight. You go, why? He hasn't seen Joseph, has he? But what's going to happen, Rosa? His faith is going to become sight. He's going to actually see what he believes. And that doesn't happen until verse 29 of of chapter 46. Right now, he's got to walk by faith. Okay, you said he's alive. Let's go. Let's go. But when his faith becomes sight is when he sees Joseph face to face. And isn't that what happens to us? See, down on earth, guys, we all walk by faith until our faith becomes sight until we take our final breath and we go, wow. Everything that I believed is so much more. It's my Jesus. All right, so let's close for the second time. I have good news. I have good news. The hope you've been looking for is in Jesus. Amen. The peace in your heart that's missing It's in Jesus. Your joy, your patience, your love, your comfort, it comes from the one who died for you. Now listen to me. He's standing with his arms open wide, and he's telling you, and he's giving you the invitation. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. Your life will never be the same. It'll never be the same. Amen? Okay. As we move into communion, guys, I want to remind you of three things. As the band leads uh, in worship, you can get up, you can come, you can get these, you can open, you can pray, but let me lead you into three things, okay, when it comes to communion. Now, because of COVID, we haven't shared communion like this in like forever, it feels like, but we get to go back to it. So you go, what do you mean? Number one, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to look within. Look within. Confess those things that we need to confess. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry for my attitudes. Lord, I am just, Lord, I've been, a, I've been rotten today. Oh, sorry, Lord. But I'm glad I'm here. And so we look within our hearts. Let's make sure things are right. We walk in a dirty world and, and stuff happens. But we come in here and, and, and we confess that. Number two, here's what I want you to do. While the band is playing and, and leading us in worship, guys, I want you to look back. I want you to look back. Look back at your life. Look about how faithful God has been up until now. Think about all the things that God has done. Think about how, how he's carried you through some of the darkest storms in your life. How he's held you when nobody else could held you and, and he's walked with you. Remember those things. And last but not least, guys, I want you to, to look ahead. Look ahead. Because what Jesus said is he said, listen, 
I'm not going to take communion again until I take it with you in the kingdom. And here's what they do in Israel. In Israel, they say, next, next year in Jerusalem. They want to go back to Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. But you know what we say? Hey, next time we have communion, may it be in heaven with our Jesus. That's what he's saying. And so we want to look ahead and say, God, I'll take it here now. I'll do all those things. I'll confess my sin. It's a celebration. I love you, Lord, because here's what we're doing. When we take communion, when we take communion, we're, we're doing, we're, we're proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's a celebration. Because if Jesus resurrected, we're going to resurrect too. Amen? Father, thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. Father, now as we get ready to partake in communion, Lord, I pray that you speak to us, Lord. Help us to confess anything we need to confess. And help us to just focus on you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.